Welcome to The Advertising Show, America's only radio program focusing on advertising, media, marketing, product development, branding, new media, sales and customer relations. Stay with us for entertaining marketing discussion and our special guest interview. Now, here are your hosts, Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth. Yes, it is indeed Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth back with you for an encore show here on The Advertising Show. It's being brought to you by Advertising Age magazine. You can visit online at adage.com. We have a, a special encore show. Back in 2010, we had William Hyam. He's an author of The Next Big Thing. And it's all about trends. What if you could spot a trend before it happened and lock onto it when it did happen? Wouldn't that be a cool thing? That's what the book is about, and William talks about that on today's show. The Advertising Show, a copyrighted Big Radio Midgets production. Enjoy. Thank you, Jeremy Kent here at The Advertising Show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. I, I, I can think of not a better introduction for William Hyam uh, than one that came from Joe Rigby, who is head of Insight at OMD International. You know, listen to this, it's pretty cool. In a world where many evangelists masquerade as transpotters, William is a rare talent cutting through the hype to reveal what is really going on out there and what could be around the corner. Uh, we've been uh, tapping into next big thing for several years now within our uh, local and international agencies. William has looked into the future for us at conferences and client events, presenting an insightful and energetic blend of media and consumer trends. We've also worked with him to identify client-facing global trends and analyze what the implications might be for businesses. And uh, uh, to top it all off, what a nice thing to say, first of all, about a, a human being and capabilities and everything. And then you go ahead and write a book, The Next Big Thing, Spotting and Forecasting Consumer Trends for Profit. And I, I might add that we are taping this um, uh, early, uh, but this is quite late for William, which I'm sure it's either past midnight or very close to it. There in London, but William, welcome to the advertising show. <laughs> very good to uh, very good to speak to you. Very well, what good. a lovely introduction! Thank you so much, and, and thanks again to Joe there. Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, uh, it's a little early for us to have a drink, but we just wanted to say, "Drink away, William. It's okay." Uh, so I'm curious, William, how does a person like yourself prepare for a career? Would be appropriate for the evening. Scotch would be great. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, go for yeah. it, Brad. <laughs> So, William, how does uh, one prepare for a career in trend analysis like yourself? It's absolutely a very good question. I, I don't think there is any any good way to prepare. I think um, you have to be you have to be interested in people. I think that's the most important thing. You have to be interested in people, in history, in culture. Uh, you have to have an understanding of marketing. I think as well. I, I was um, lucky enough to work for record companies for uh, and, and other entertainment uh, companies for about ten years. Uh, doing uh, communications and, and marketing for them, and that was a great way of uh, of getting to know consumers and ha- getting to understand them. Um, so I think that that's a good way in, really. Well, you know, you've piqued my interest, and in, since you mentioned the music industry, one, on your bio here it says that you worked for Sony as well as other labels and artists such as Michael Jackson. You got to know him on a personal level. You, you meet Michael occasionally. I don't know anybody who's really got to know him very well, but uh, yes, I've met him on a few occasions. He always uh, always seemed very nice to me, very sweet man, uh, and, and quite a talent as well. It's, it's a it's a fascinating process being in the uh, in the company of such people. I worked with him. I worked with Rolling Stones. I worked with Meatloaf. Um, worked with Malcolm McLaren. Sadly now deceased. Lots of uh, very interesting people over my time there. Wow. 
Well, I must say, Ray and I both are big fans of your book, and we get a lot of books from publishers all around the world. Uh, Your book, uh, published by Kogan Page, uh, outstanding read, recommended to all of our listeners that are joining us today. To get us started, William, tell us a little bit about the motivation behind writing the next big thing. Well, the the key thing for me really was to demystify the process of of trend forecasting. Um, It's a relatively new discipline, and... People have got a, a, a different attitudes towards it. Some people see it as kind of something to do with fashion, and other people see it as something to do with crystal balls and gazing into the future. And I, I, what I was keen to do was to actually, let's say, demystify it, bring it down to earth, and show that it's actually a, a defined process as much as any marketing discipline. You, you can really, you have to, to get a process going, and if you do, it, it, it's really relatively easy. Um, it's something that anybody can do. Um, no matter what part of the uh, organization you're in. Um, as I say, you, there are certain qualities which help, but anybody can, once you understand the process, anybody can, can start spotting trends. Yeah, so get us, to get us started, let's lay some uh, groundwork. Uh, how, how do you define a trend, William? For me, a trend, what, the way I define it in the book is a long-term change in consumer behavior or consumer attitudes. And actually, the attitudes can often be the most... Uh, the best uh, way of understanding what the future is going to hold. Um, and actually, um, being a bit of a, an English scholar back in the day, I, I uh, looked up what trend meant and actually originally comes from uh, an old English term, uh, trenden, and it means um, a bendy river. So it's all about kind of the direction of things. That's what a trend's about, how things are moving, what direction they're moving in, are they changing, are they going up and down? And I think that's really what it's about, is, is how is consumer behavior changing how is it going to change over the course of so time. how do you distinguish uh, william between a trend and a short-lived fad that's that's the million dollar question isn't it i think that that's the question everyone wants to know and i, I go into that in i think quite good quite detail in the book it's, it's hugely important to distinguish between the two because a, a, a fad is something that you know you can use maybe in short-term marketing but you you really mustn't base long-term strategy on a, on a, on a fad um a fad really is something that's just going to be short term. It's something that's going to, going to explode and then disappear again. And uh, a trend is something really that's going to last, that you're going to see it's going to cross over typically into several different industries or uh, and different sectors, maybe into different age demographics or, or genders. And it's going to last for a while. It's going to last for, you know, it, it, to, to be a real trend, it's got to last up to a good two years, really. And many trends can last to five, maybe even ten years. So I think the way, you, the way you can tell the difference is, is, is a classic marketing way, really, which is, does, it, you know, does this thing that's coming about, whether it's a, an innovative new product or uh, a new trend in behavior or something like this, is it something that's going to benefit the consumer? Is it something, therefore, the consumer's going to want to take up? Um, so you have to look at all of those things, really, the, the classic marketing uh, methods, the kind of the active drivers and the passive drivers. What, what is it about the, the product or the, the trend or, 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 and so on that's actually going to, going to appeal to people? You know, Brad wanted me to ask, he's got a closet full of Nehru jackets, and uh, he wanted me to ask you if, if you saw those coming back, uh, William. I'm, I'm not sure. <laughs> um, I, 
I think we've done the 60s psychedelia revival recently. Uh, I'm not sure that's coming back. I think we've, we've, we've veered over into the 90s now, I'm afraid. So if he's got any smiley T-shirts, he might be able to sell those. Oh, great. You know, last week on the advertising show, we talked about musical comfort food, and that being uh, a lot of the music that accompanies some of the commercials. Uh, Rogers and Hammerstein is, uh, is the, uh, the obviously the composers of that music. And you talk in the book about a return to romance and basically driving a return to romance as we go through this recession. What's that all about? Well, I think, you know, in any recession, people want to escape. I think if, if, if life's tough, which it is for many people now, and even, even if people haven't actually been touched themselves financially within this, certainly there's a feeling of uncertainty and, and, and fear and anxiety around at the moment. And I think if, if any, when you're in any situation like that, People want to escape from that, and I think that's really where the where the romance comes from. I think I think you want comfort. It's it's um, this idea, you know, goes back to the, the, the one of the first ever uh, trends to be picked up, which was cocooning. Um, the, the the wonderful Faith Popcorn, who was a pioneer in this field uh, back in the in the heady days of the eighties, she talked about this idea of cocooning, this idea of going back and seeking comfort. Um, so that's one way of dealing with it. I said the other way is is, is by escapism and and seeking romance you know increasingly we're seeing more romantic epics in the movies we're seeing uh, a return to to nostalgic or romantic music again and and so on i think Uh, and and romantic books uh, so on are are picking up so these sorts of things really do take off in in a recession it's it's a way of escaping the, the you know what's happening in the world today very special guest out of London this weekend here at the Advertising Show is William Hyam, author of a brand new book, and it is called The Next Big Thing, Spotting and Forecasting Consumer Transfer Profit. We'll have uh, William take out his, uh, his uh, not the Ouija board, but the, uh, the uh, thing that we look into, uh, whatever that's called. Anyway, on the Advertising Show, Rachel and Brad Forsythe, we continue our interview with William in just a moment. We hope you stay right here. You're listening to The Advertising Show with Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth. Well, Oscar Otto, the loquacious limousine. Yeah, if you just can't wait, and go ahead and open up another tab while you're listening to uh, The Advertising Show here, but next-big-thing.net is uh, where you'll find more about William and more about the brand new book, too. William, a pleasure to have you here. Welcome back to The Advertising Show. Got to be back. And I must say, uh, Ray, you look very handsome in those leg warmers right now and that pet rock that you have there on your console. Yes. That's not trendy. That's not trendy at all. That's <laughs> probably a fad. No, it's, it's uh, on my wife's it, finger. It's a pet rock. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, well, in your book, you're quoted as saying a trend is of interest to a marketer only if it provides a return and changes that cannot be exploited for profit should be ignored. Now, to me, that sounds like conservatively safe advice, if you would ask me. But on the other hand, someone that like yourself, who's adept at spotting a trend at its earliest stage, I'm curious, where do you, how do you juggle uh, the idea that most people, I believe, are under the understanding that there is a direct relationship between the greater the risk and the greater the reward? <laughs> I think... Um that's, a, again, a good question. Um, 
I'm maybe I don't know maybe perhaps being a Brit I'm not ter- I'm, I'm a little risk averse sometimes but I think yes you have to take um, you do have to take risks but certainly using trend forecasts is a way of diminishing those risks so actually if you want to take a chance on something and say I believe this is what's going to happen in the future I believe that if I make product X you know it, they will come as it were and um, so that's great and you can go with your gut feeling and sometimes that works and you know um, if you're Steve Jobs it, it works half the time but I think it's much better if you can to say yes this is what I believe is going to it's going to work in the future this is what my customer is going to want but let me just see if that's true let me just get some understanding of the trends over the next two years over the next five years let me get some understanding of how my customers are going to change because if I can understand how my customers are going to change, then I'll, I'll be able to get an idea of whether they'll want the product in, in two years once I've gone ahead and, and developed it. You know, let's take advantage of somebody with a great mind and a, a great uh, insight to the future for a moment. Do you foresee a long-term impact as a result of the current financial crisis that we're in when it comes to consumers' price versus value relationship? I've read a lot where... They say the days of buying luxury goods, for example, uh, back in the 90s and 2000s are a time that we will not see return because of the severity of the current financial crisis that we're experiencing worldwide, for that matter. What are your thoughts on that? I I think that's, again, a question that everybody's asking right now, and and they're right to ask it. Um, It's how how is the consumer going to think and behave coming out of the recession we need to know that i think what's going to happen is it is there is going to be something uh, there is going to be a huge focus for people on price but really i think it's going to be about value for money and although you know there are values and things like ethics and, and sustainability will will be important to a certain extent i think it's going to be about yeah, value for money. Does does the product that I'm buying give me some sort of value? So uh, we're seeing customers getting so much smarter. I think I've, I run quite a few focus groups and sitting in those and, and talking to women across uh, the UK and Europe, finding out you know the, the the ingenious ways that they've been able to to save money and the ways they found to save money um, in the recession because you know for the last five, ten years, we haven't been up until the recession. We, we had been spending. We hadn't been worrying. We knew there'd be money tomorrow. But I think it's made a lot of people wake up. And actually, a lot of these people in these focus groups say to me, actually, you know what? It's not been a bad thing. It's actually been quite a good thing for us because it has made us wake up and stop this spending that we're doing. So I think on that level, we're getting a much kind of a savvier shopper um, who's going to come out the other end. So Yes, you are going to have to offer price, but really it's going to be about good value. So if your product is cheap, but it doesn't last, or it doesn't do the job, people will pick up on that very quickly, especially with the, with the technology that's out there. So I think you, you have to make sure now as, as, a, as a company that you offer some sort of, of value for money, whether that's a, a product that lasts, whether that's perhaps something that, that, that provides your customer with with something special. It, although when it comes to uh, the, the non-luxuries, the essentials, people are going to try and make sure that they get the, the best value and the cheapest where they can. 
I don't think people are going to shake off this desire for luxury. They're just going to try and find a way of getting it as cheap as they can. You know, these little luxuries. That's, that's what people need, this little bit of escapism, these little luxuries. They're, they're not going to, to give up on those without a fight. So I think if you can, if you can offer people comfort and ease that side of luxury, then I think they'll, they'll pay for it. That's an interesting observation. You know, this book, uh, for our listeners that are not familiar with it, as Ray and I are, is just jam-packed with uh, trend after trend and lends your insights to the way you see things shaping up for the next short term as well as decade, for that matter. And you have a particular uh, idea or concept that you call the boundary-blurring trend as it relates to connecting with consumers these days. Talk a little bit about that, William. Well, I think boundary blurring, it's about the idea that anything's up for grabs now. We, we, we live in a time of, of enormous change. I think we've had two, two, two huge things impact. It's like the, 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 the massive change in technology, the massive advances that have been made in technology, particularly communications technology, which are really set to revolutionize the way that we behave, the way we communicate, the way that marketing uh, and, and purchasing takes place. So we've had these coming through over the last few years. Um, but at the same time then, we've had the recession hit. And I think those two things uh, working together are creating such a, a volatility now. And I think so many of, of the, the traditional ways of doing things, the ways that we always expected to happen, um, you know, this is the way a customer behaves, this is the way they think. All that, I think, is out the window now. It, it's, it's disappeared. I don't think anything can be relied upon in the same way. So a lot of the traditional boundaries that we expect are blurring. So there's a kind of gender-blending trend, as we've seen. So, so many of uh, products that used to be just for men are now for women, or products that were just for women are now for men. So. Uh, L'Oreal and various other cosmetics companies and, and, and so on have seen now the men's market growing for them, whereas the technology companies that traditionally marketed to men or the, the automotive companies now market to women. And the same thing, a lot of you know, boundaries are blurring in terms of age and so on. So I think that's the thing now. No matter if you're a company that's been marketing to, to the same people in the same way for the last five years, you better watch out because anything could happen in the next five years. You have to be ready. You have to make sure that you get some understanding of the trends and make sure your company is ready to, to change and take advantage of that. Yeah. Uh, as you wrapped up last segment, William, you talked about how companies that have been conducting business in a particular way over the past five years need to wake up and realize that those days are gone and the next five years will hold a, a different way in which you connect with consumers and you shouldn't take a lot of these things for granted. In your book, you say an organization needs to establish an internal system that can effectively process and integrate trends. So I can just see executives with large companies leaning towards the speakers right now, turning up their iPods, if you will, <laughs> wanting to know from somebody like yourself, how do you develop a, a particular internal division or department that can be sensitive to trends and integrate these trends into their corporate culture? Well, I think that, that to me is, is one of the main, most important jobs of, of the book. That's what I felt was very important to do, to, to start talking about trends, not just as, as interesting things, not just as nice to know, 
but it's something that need that you need to know and that you must integrate into company strategy. I think that's the key thing. You know, there are lots of people out there looking at trends, but really, what a, a, a executives need to know is what's that trend going to? How's that trend going to affect my business? Uh, is it going to affect it in a positive or a negative way? And how can I, as a as a, as a CEO, take advantage of that trend? And what can I? How can I change my corporate strategy? And I think what's essential today for any company is to have this this culture of change, this will, this openness to change. I think that's the first thing to establish. I think a company today has to to be ready to change, to look at, to change their strategy based on the way that trends are going. But I think within uh, an organisation, you have to find a way of including trends and data from trends into the marketing process. It's actually got to be included at, at set times. What, what happens all too often is somebody will, you know, a, a, a new product will be developed and maybe as they're starting to, to think how they're going to market it, somebody talks about a new trend. And so this is kind of, this is included off, you know, off, um, just briefly now. And so people suddenly say, well, oh, we must add this new trend to it. But the point is you have to include these trends and this information about these trends early on. You have to include it in the product development. You have to make sure there's a place for it within the marketing department. So I think that's, that's absolutely essential. So make sure within your marketing process you have set times and set spaces to introduce trend data. And, you know, I guess once a trend is well established, it's, it's just too late at that point, isn't it, William? I, it depends who you are. I mean, this is, again, this is something I, I, I talk about in the book. It's, if you're a new thrusting company in a new thrusting industry, if you're in the you know, fashion-based industries or the entertainment or leisure industries, then it may be, or maybe technology as well, you need to keep changing. So you need to be on top of the, of the very latest trends. But if you're in a, the financial area or you're in certain other areas, it may be that actually what you need to do is wait a little bit until that trend's got a little bit further down the line. So actually, it's appealing to your customers. That's what you have to think about is, when are my customers going to start behaving in this way or thinking in this new way? You know, it's, again, it's actually, it's just as dangerous to uh, market or something around a trend, uh, you know, too early than it is to do it too late. So if you pick up on, on something before your customers are ready, that can be very dangerous. So if it just because somebody else, you know, in this sort of new trendy company has picked up on something, if you're a more established company, you can afford to wait a little bit more. Well, I, I anticipate a trend here as well after uh, folks listening to the show. Go out and get the book. It's called The Next Big Thing, Spotting and Forecasting Consumer Trends for Profit. William Hyam, our special guest out of London uh, this weekend here with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth on the Advertising Show. William, it has been a pleasure, and uh, I'll tell you one thing, uh, lots of folks are going to benefit from this. Well, thank you very much indeed. As I said, there's a lot of interesting trends out there, and there's a trend for every company. There's a way of taking advantage of, uh, of a new trend and making money for your company. And again, our thanks to William Hyam, author of The Next Big Thing, an encore show here on the Advertising Show, which is being powered by Shipple.com. That's S-C-H-I-P-U-L.com. 
Uh, the platform tendency has helped the advertising show be one of the top uh, uh, advertising shows here on the internet uh, for so many years. So check it out at Shipple.com. Might be a, a good idea for you too. What do you think? Advertising show is brought to you by Advertising Age magazine. Visit online at adage.com. The Advertising Show, a copyrighted Big Radio Midgets production, and we will talk to you again soon. Why do more media professionals read IWantMedia.com? IWantMedia.com features reports from industry leaders and media personalities. IWantMedia.com gives you quick access to news, stats, trade orgs, and industry publications, and it's updated daily. Forbes says IWantMedia.com contains everything media professionals need to stay ahead of the game. The Washington Post calls it the source for the serious media geek. Do you get it? If you don't, you should. To sign up for free daily email alerts, visit IWantMedia.com.